I'm matchmaker Maria, the founder of Agape Match. For over a decade, I've combined four generations of family matchmaking tradition with modern relationship psychology, behavioral science, and dating trends. With this unique expertise, I answer your dating and relationship questions and interview experts to give you the tools to find or keep the love of your life. This is Ask a Matchmaker. Welcome to the Ask a Matchmaker podcast. I'm your host, Matchmaker Maria, and this week's guest is Stephanie Movahead. She's a San Francisco-based leadership coach, and she helps people find growth, fulfillment, and success in their work and lives. I figured we should bring on a coach this week because we've had lots of things happening in the last six weeks, and some of us need a bit of a mindset shift. And Stephanie here is going to help us with that. Stephanie, welcome to the Ask a Matchmaker podcast. Thanks, Maria. Happy to be here today. Oh, yeah, of course. And, you know, okay, so Stephanie, she invests, you know, you invest in, I don't know why I'm talking to a third person. You invest in startups and you advise founders and you're certified by the ICF when you also hold an MBA from the Michigan Ross School of Business. So you've got, you've got the credentials. We met over the summer last summer, and I was just really taken back by like, you know, you kind of, you're kind of like process oriented and like the can do attitude. And I was like, oh yeah, this, this would be really good one day on the podcast. Cause I feel like sometimes we need to like step away from just like the dating talk and just like kind of focus on like, where are we at on this path? Yeah, totally, Maria. And I would say, um, you know, when we met, I was just blown away by everything that you're doing with your business. Um, and I love the way that you work with your dating uh, matchmaking clients around mindset and around helping them, you know, really grow. Um, so I think you're a great coach. And yeah, I'm just oh, so excited to be here. Thanks, Steph. Thank you. Um, okay. So tell me a little bit more about how you found this role that you're in right now. Yeah, definitely. So my story, um, as you mentioned, I have a business background. Um, so I actually started my career as a teacher and I used to teach English and Spanish. I was always really helping, interested in helping people kind of transform their lives and grow. And, um, I was doing that. And then eventually I moved to the Bay area and, you know, as one does in San Francisco, I just ended up finding this interesting job at Google. And I started my career working at Google and that made me think, okay, well, if I'm going to do this um, tech work, I should probably go back to school and get an MBA. Um, So I got my MBA. um, I went back to tech and I did a ton of different work around strategy and product development. But along the way, I really realized that I cared more about developing leaders than I did about developing products. And so on the side, I trained as a leadership coach. And I just, you know, I would go into my coaching sessions with my clients and I found so much energy, so much joy, so so much happiness being present with them in our sessions that I actually decided uh, to leave the tech world behind. And now I work for myself as a leadership coach, coaching leaders within organizations, also with folks who come to me to invest in their own growth and development. What does a session with you entail? Great question. Um, So I love coaching around um, you know, a whole variety of topics, but one of the magical things about coaching is that there's no, there's no one formula. And you probably know this from working with your matchmaking clients. Um, it's really about what's alive and present for the client. Um, Mm -hmm. so in our sessions, I always start out by asking them, you know, what is it that you want coaching on today? And we also talk about, you know, coming out of this hour, what do you want to walk away with? Some people just want to process what's going on with them. Other people want to come up with a more tactical 
powerful plan that they can implement as soon as they get out of the session. So it really depends on what is most urgent, most relevant for that particular client. Um, and we'll talk for about you know, say 40 minutes. And then in the last part of the session, we'll design some sort of action or some sort of challenge. Um, often I'll ask, what's one thing that you can do in the next two weeks to get yourself closer to where you discussed wanting to go? And then, uh, you know, coaching is great for accountability. So I'll actually have them follow up with me and let me know that they did that thing. Do you feel like, do you feel like just because you assign homework, that doesn't necessarily mean that someone's going to do it. Great, great point. Yeah. So I always say, um, you know, I'm, let's talk about homework. Um, it's totally optional. If you want to do it, you do it. Um, if you don't want to do it, that's also, you know, that's on you. And then in the next session, we always talk about, did you, or did you not do the homework? And sometimes, mm. um, the client might say, you know, I went to do it. And actually I realized that something else would be a better use of my time. Or they say, you know, I didn't do it because this is really hard. And then we might coach on that. Do you help them with a task that you've assigned them? Good question. Um, you know, I don't. I I think um, a lot of the tasks are around visioning or journaling or or you know dreaming of what's next, and mm-hmm. so they're not necessarily things that I can help with because they really come from um, the client's intuition and you know their inner knowledge and what they're longing for. You know, you're you know you're touching now like on intuition, and I feel like that also comes like from a place of like, you know mindfulness and emotion and how, what is it that people can do to boost the performance of those things to like, you know, meet their goals or find their happiness? What would you advise? Yeah. I love that question, Maria. Um, so I'm a big believer in really tuning into ourselves through mindfulness. Um, You know, I am trained in a coaching program called Positive Intelligence, which Mm -hmm. is all about how we can meet the challenges of our lives with positive emotions. And how can you? Sure. So let's say, for example, you have a challenging presentation at work. How can you show up to that presentation with curiosity, with playfulness, with action rather than showing up with perfectionism or, uh, you know, really feeling like fear or self-judgment. So the idea is um, when we feel these feelings of of fear or self-judgment, we can tune into ourselves, you know, really focus on say one sense, our sense of touch or, or breathing. And through tuning into ourselves, then we can start to shift towards these positive emotions. We can ask ourselves, um, when I'm coming from a place of curiosity, how do I feel about this presentation? When I'm coming from a place of self-empathy, how do I feel about the fact that, you know, I just uh, wasn't as patient as I wish I could have been with my sister? Um, So it's really about shifting from self-judgment or from perfectionism to these positive qualities like empathy, curiosity, playfulness. Do you find, um, like, what would you say to someone, for instance, like, like, what kind of exercises would you advise someone to do when it comes to like, you know, that particular example, like you feel stress at work? Yeah. Great question. Um, so what I advise my clients to do is really tuning into themselves through mindfulness. Um, just take say 20 seconds and just slow yourself down, close your eyes 
and focus on deep breathing for those 20 seconds. And you can really feel that, um, you know, I think in like sort of modern language, we oftentimes talk about getting triggered. Um, you know, you're triggered, then also everything speeds up, right? So you're just, all of your emotions are heightened. So what I advise my clients to do is slow yourself down, you know, take 20 seconds to just tune into your breathing. And then, you know, once you've done that, come back to the topic and, and also ask yourself, how can I apply a lens of curiosity? How does this connect to my own growth? And really tune in to what is the opportunity as opposed to what is the fear? I feel like I'm lately experiencing this with some of my employees too. Like I can see that sometimes there's this immense anxiety that happens. Like, you know, I, I know that matchmaking and coaching can seem like a really glamorous job, but at the end of the day, you know, everyone's still staring at an Excel sheet. Uh, and, um, you know, a lot of it is like managing people's like personal expectations. So they're not even professional expectations. They're personal. Right. Sure. And, um, and sometimes I just feel like I know I see, I'm saying this now as a boss, not as a matchmaker. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll say like my employees will take on the anxiety that like my client is, I don't even think they're consciously aware that they're, they might be driving anxiety. Like they'll say, for instance, oh, that doesn't work for me. You know, when can we do this date or whatever, you know, they'll do a little, some minor pushback, but suddenly that one sentence spins off this like anxiety city situation. And I have to step in and be like, why are you letting this bother you? Just, just talk back. Like they're not even saying something mean or bad. They're just saying, that's just not going to work. They're, they're asking you to like find a different solution. Right. Right. So and why I, not just pick up the phone and figure that out? Like I I'm just lately, this has just been kind of frustrating. I mean, I think, I guess it's always exists, but now I'm kind of like, I'm more aware of it. Yeah. You're, you're tuned into it and you're aware. And yeah, I would suggest also, you know, there's probably an emotion that's coming up for your employee behind um, you know, what they're, what they're presenting is frustration, but maybe it's fear of disappointing that client, or maybe it's, um, right. you know, some, sadness about things not turning out the way they had originally planned. Um, And so I think it's also, it sounds like you're already doing this, but asking them powerful questions to help them identify, you know, what is it that's coming up for them? Um, You know, we can unpack frustration into all these different ways. And then if it's, if it's fear of disappointing the client, then there's a series of questions like, what is it um, that the client wants? You know, what is it that you can offer? Is this you disappointing them or is this just, you know, um, the day-to-day and just really getting them to process and reflect, I'm sure, um, you know, would be really helpful. Yeah. So tell me a little bit more about, you know, you've, you've done positive intelligence. Um, what would you say to someone who wants to like boost their performance, um, yeah. be it at work in their dating life? Cause I feel like if you're single and you really want to be in a relationship, that's your new part-time job. Um, or even like their well being, like what, you know, what would you advise here? For sure. Um, so I love this question, first of all. Um, so there's a couple things. So I think in, um, in any coaching, there's a few components. So I think the first component is really asking yourself, you know, what is it that I want? And when I get in a session with a client, um, part of my job is to ask them powerful, open-ended questions. Like but what? We can also, also, so a great question is, um, someone says, you know, I'm not happy in my career. Mm-hmm. Um, so I might ask, on a scale of one to 10, where are you at in your career? And they'll, they'll usually say something like, oh, I'm a five. And oh, then wow. I say, what would it look like if you were a 10? 
And so just simply asking them, what does a 10 look like for you in career moves them away from kind of loving the problem, really talking about what's wrong. And you see them get excited about what could be right. And so as someone starts to talk to me about uh, what a 10 looks like, um, I listen for values. So maybe what I hear is what's most important to them is autonomy and they don't have autonomy in their current career. And then we can talk about, okay, what are some small shifts you could make to get more autonomy? Maybe intellectual curiosity is big for them and they feel like they're not getting that. And we can talk about maybe in your current career, there isn't a lot of opportunity for, for curiosity and intellectual growth, but maybe you can get that through something you do in your personal life. Um, so what I would encourage uh, someone who's interested in, in making progress in an area say it their career, their physical well-being, maybe even their romantic and emotional life. Um, ask yourself, what would it look like if I could say I was at a 10 in this variable? With 10 being the most fulfilled I could imagine, just dream on that for a little bit. And then once you have that vision, start to think about what are some small shifts I can make to get myself closer to that? Oh, I love that. I totally love that. And then how about like when it comes to you know, and shifting, I feel like in that mindset, like I've always felt like who you surround yourself with, you tend to be the average of that. Yeah. You're, you're nodding along. So tell me what you think about what I'm saying. Yeah. This is a huge thing for me. Um, I have heard, I think we're, we're thinking on the same quote, like you become a combination of the five people that you spend the most time with. And oh so- yeah. And also I feel like even your income, it tends to be the average of those five too. I've, I've, that's what I've heard at least, but that's I feel like that checks out. <laughs> I hadn't heard that, but that makes perfect sense to me. Yeah, I think I think it also just relates to sort of representation. It's like you have to see it in order to know that it's possible. And so if you surround yourself with people that have the mindset that you want to have, it feels more possible. If you're really focused on um, you know, financial abundance and all your friends are are really more coming from a place of scarcity, that can rub off on you. So I really, for myself and also for my clients, encourage people to spend them spend their time with people that they see as aspirational, like find Mm. friends that are already where you want to go and then watch them and learn from them and soak in their vibe. Yeah. I feel like that's actually one of the, so I met you because you came to my retreat in Greece last year. And I feel like one of the things that I'm probably the most proud of is like bringing women together that didn't know each other before, but there is sort of like like like-mindedness and like, just like a really good vibe. And I, you know, it's funny. I used to think that only your group was like that last summer, but no, it was exactly like that. When I had the next retreat in Tulum, it was exactly like that. You know, um, last week I hosted like a little, like an impromptu cocktail party in Los Angeles and like hundred women showed up and it was amazing. But it, it was like, to me, what was funny about that group was that it was the same vibe as last year in Greece. Like it makes me excited for like their next retreat happening um, in Greece in a few months. Um, It's like, oh yeah, like this is what that means. It's like trying to get to a new friend group that is sharing in the similar vibe to like bring you to a different place. Yeah. And that's such a great point, Maria. Um, I always tell people that, um, you know, 
one of the best things about going on your retreat was I came away with this amazing community of like-minded women who are so focused on, um, you know, personal and professional growth and, you know, in all the ways that I am. And it's been so enriching to surround myself with them. And so I think you're touching on a really, another really important point, which is I think when we want to make changes in our lives, if we have a community of people around us who support us, we're much more likely to be successful. I've been doing a lot of group coaching now. I, I started with one-on-one, but now I also coach groups and that's been really powerful. Just the additional accountability and also the, um, the camaraderie, the camaraderie, the sense that we're not alone when we're experiencing these challenges. So I a hundred percent agree with you that community is important for change and, and for making forward momentum in your life. Um, side note, I did see that you were in LA and can I put in a plug for San Francisco, uh, for a future happy hour? There's lots of ladies here who would love to see you. You know, it's funny you say that. I was thinking about doing like a little city tour, uh, my, but it was like, but why that sort of thing? Like, cause I was in LA for a different reason. I was just like, well, Hey, if I'm in LA, let's just do this, you know? And I was just playing around with, it. I didn't realize that that many people would show up, but, um, now I'm like, should I do ask a matchmaker live like in Ooh. different cities? Ooh. And then I'm like, who that's like such a big endeavor. I need someone to like, who already does this for other podcasts to just show up and be like, Hey, I heard your podcast that you're looking for. Like, I don't know, an events manager, I already do this with this podcast. I would love to take on yours. I'll be like, yes, like that way I don't have to like interview and like figure this out. Like, please just let me delegate it to someone who's already experienced. And like, we can figure it out from there. Uh, so that's, that's me saying that out loud in case anyone hears this and is like, oh yeah. But to go back to the community thing for a second, like what advice would you give to someone who's like, all right, Maria, I don't want to go on your retreats. I'm not interested in meeting in cities. I don't care about, you know, the people that follow you or listen to this podcast. And that's totally fine by the way. But I would really love to be, to to fit, I'd really love to be in a community and find my community. What would you advise people who are seeking that? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so I would say um, that I think trust and deep connection is built through consistent interactions. And so something like a book club or a run club or um, an improv comedy class, like something that you go to every week where you see the same people um, can be really helpful in making new friends and for feeling that sense of community. I have a book club that I've been in um, for over 10 years now. And now those women are just like my best friends. But I think the reason we developed such a deep connection is we were reading all these books and then we were talking about, oh, you know, this reminds me of um, my upbringing or, you know, this connects back to the way I feel about my parents. And we were just talking about all these deep themes month after month and it became a really great community. Um, so I would definitely encourage people to look for something like that where they can meet repeatedly with the same group of people. Yeah, no, I, I love that. I think that's such a great idea. Uh, shout out to Toastmasters because I'm always telling people like, just join the Toastmasters. There's like so many of them. And yeah. uh, it's just a very, I think it's just a very open and positive vibe, but it's the same too. Like if someone's telling me like, oh, I want to join like a cooking class that meets for six weeks, do it because I feel like in those six weeks, you just don't know what could happen. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, you know, the one-time things are great, but it's sort of just like, you know, you meet someone one time and then you don't know if they're going to stay in your life. But if you can find something that's repeated, then I feel like that's where you can really start to build more connection. But yeah, I always think of you when um, people ask you like, oh, I don't want to do online dating. And you say things like get on um, Eventbrite Eventbrite. and find, yeah, yeah, find events in your city. And I, I think it's the same thing. It's like, how do we make connections? We go out and we do the things that we're passionate about in community with other people. 
And one last question, tell me about the science around positive intelligence. Yeah, that's a great question, Maria. Um, so one of the things that really attracted me to the positive intelligence coaching program um, is that I think it's very much grounded in science. And the person who founded it um, is a coach. And essentially what he talks about is our brains are hardwired to go towards fear and scarcity. And that that really relates back to um, almost imagine like in a different historical time period, like humans were under threat. And so it's very natural that that's how historically we've been wired to look for threats in our environment and mm-hmm. to react to those threats, fight or flight. So if you want to move away from that type of reactive approach, you have to practice and you have to almost develop new mental muscles. So just like you would go to the gym and you would work out for 30 minutes, three times a week, and, and, you know, you wouldn't see necessarily huge results immediately, but if you did that for six weeks, you'd start to look different. And if you did that for six months, wow, you'd really see change. Um, with our mindset, we have to practice. And so what I encourage my clients to do is just spend 10 minutes every morning Do a simple meditation where you're really focusing on tuning into yourself and how you feel. In my own life, I do a meditation and then I do a gratitude journal. And I do that every single morning just to reinforce I have all of these wonderful things in my life that I should be grateful for. And as you do that over and over again, it just starts to get easier because you're building that mental muscle. And in positive intelligence, we talk about remapping the neurons in our brain so that our brain knows to go to that place of calm, confidence, and abundance as opposed to fear and scarcity. I got to say, when you say the word meditation, I kind of like, because uh, I, oh, I, I think I really suck at meditation. So really? well, tell me about how you're meditating because yeah, I need to no, learn. That's maybe, awesome. I don't know how to turn off my brain, but I've been told maybe on a previous podcast that I recorded that meditation is like allowing your brain to come back to like those original thoughts when you're trying to turn off. I'm I've completely I don't know how to meditate. Uh, so tell me a little bit more about your meditation journey and like, do you use any like guides, like an app yeah. or do you listen to anything or whatever? Yeah. And I will say that I'm exactly the same way as you, Maria. I have a hyperactive mind. And like, usually when I'm supposed to be meditating, I'm like thinking about my grocery list that I'm going to go get at Whole Foods the next totally. day. You know, it's just like, I'm always planning. So what really helped me was um, I read a meditation book, Intro to Meditation. And the teacher mm-hmm. was like a... Um, you know, like a really seasoned meditator. And she talked about counting her breaths. And she asked, you know, how far do you think I can get um, counting my breaths before I get distracted? And, you know, in my mind, I'm like, oh, she could probably get to like 50 or 60 breaths. And she said, I can only get to three breaths before I get, a, I get distracted, but then I just bring myself back. So I think it's very normal and appropriate that we get distracted. And it's not something to feel like we're failing at meditation. Um, what I do is, um, now it's going to sound like a plug, but um, I use the positive intelligence app and they offer short two minute meditations, which is really just about for two minutes, tuning into one sense. So I tune into my breath and I just focus on those breaths for two minutes. And I think what's good about two minutes is it's so short, right? It's not like something to dread. And then once I did two minutes daily, I started moving to five minutes. And I think, you know, maybe at some point I'll get to 10 minutes, but right now five minutes feels great. And so I just tune into my breath and count those breaths for that short five minute period. And that works really well for me. Um, So there's the positive intelligence app. And then the other thing, um, I can't remember if you're, um, if you use Peloton, but I, I also love the Peloton app and they have great five minute meditations there that you can just follow along with. 
Oh, I love that. I got to say, I go on YouTube and look up lucid, lucid dreaming. Oh, you know that is. Yeah. Um, so I'll do that sometimes when I feel like really stressed out or I just need to like unwind also it just makes me feel good. Uh-huh. Um, I'll put on the Bluetooth, uh, sleeping headphones. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that way I don't feel like something's in my ear Yeah, and I'll lay down on my back, which I'm a side sleeper. So that's like an effort. Uh, but then I'll follow the guide of like lucid dreaming. And it's like a, it's like a six hour video on YouTube. You have to have your phone plugged in. Don't turn it off. <laughs> but, um, I feel like within the first 10 minutes, I am in a place of like extreme calm and like openness. Like I feel very vulnerable Mm -hmm. and that makes me feel good. And now I'm wondering like, oh, that's probably meditation. Yeah. Yeah. You're just really tuning into yourself as you're doing that. And do you then journal um, afterwards at all? I mean, I, I, I'm in the habit of just writing stuff down like all Mm -hmm. day, every day I have, um, I use my, I have a daily planner mm. and I use that as a journal. So I'm constantly writing down like, like, you know, yesterday was, we're recording on February 2nd. So yesterday, like I wrote down like how I want my month of February to go and then I'll keep checking in and then I'll write down like important dates. So like I do use that, but like in terms of like journaling every evening, I usually do this thing I call info dumping um, okay. every night, right before bed for like three minutes. And that's sometimes in my daily agenda, or sometimes I'll just text it to myself just to remember it. Um, and that's just where I just put everything that I'm thinking about that. I'm like, Oh, you know, hold on to this. Don't forget to do this tomorrow. Don't forget to do this tomorrow. Like all that stuff. I just dump it down. So I don't sleep with that anxiety. Yeah. Like yeah, deal that's with great. It tomorrow. And, um, I love what you said about the first of the month. Um, I'm a huge fan of intentions and I'm actually not that big into new year's resolutions. Cause I think everybody sets those and they forget about them in the first couple weeks of January, but I love the idea of, you know, checking in each month and thinking about, you know, what do I want to accomplish this month and doing that to grow and develop. So, um, I love that little tidbit. And then the other thing I wanted to tell you is that I think for growth and change, and you know, this, um, consistency and routine is so important. So I love hearing that you have these daily routines and I'm big on morning routine. I feel like if you can really set yourself up right in the morning, you can put yourself in the right mindset to just, you know, have the best day and to achieve all your goals. And so I think, um, what you're talking about with evening routines is also just like, I love hearing that. Oh yeah. I like my whole life is a routine. Like in the morning, I know exactly I'm going to do the first two hours I'm awake that has not deviated the slightest the last few years. Um, but it's yeah, it just makes it a lot easier to accomplish that. So I'm happy to hear it from an expert that that's like, a yeah, good thing too. yeah, yeah. Well, Stephanie, uh, this was wonderful. I love that we got a glimpse into your world. Um, where can people learn more about you? Yeah. Um, so you can find me on LinkedIn. Um, um, I'm at S Movahead, um, at LinkedIn, and then you can also find me on my website, which is www.stephaniemovahead.com. Also on Instagram at Steph moves ahead. I love it. And I'm going to include all those links in the show notes. Uh, Go ahead. And you're like the first person to add a LinkedIn. That's like hilarious to me. I do not know how to use that website or app. We should talk more about it because I'm going to, when you air this podcast, I'm going to say that I was on your podcast and Uh link to you. Um, And I I think it's a great audience for you. Yeah. Thanks for saying that. I think that there's some audience in there for me too. Um, but I'm always like, how do people, I, there's a lot of, I, every time I open LinkedIn, there's like 500 people who like, you want know, to connect to you, want to connect. And like half of them want to pitch me their products. And I'm like, I no, that is annoying. I, yeah. 
Yeah. It's been a funny shift. So I used to work at LinkedIn. That was one of my um, Uh uh, longest uh, jobs was working at LinkedIn. So I'm happy to talk about it at some point offline, but it is interesting that as an entrepreneur, now that I own my own business, like 50% of the stuff I get in LinkedIn is just people trying to pitch services to me. And, um, you know, it just feels overwhelming. Like the feed itself too feels really overwhelming because I can see where people have turned it into like a Facebook Mm 2.0. Um, so you'll see posts that are like meant to like stress you out. And I'm just like this, or it's very performative. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I'm just like, okay, I don't know if this is my audience. Like, I'm always just very confused by LinkedIn, but I'm really happy to promote your LinkedIn on my show notes and see what happens. And I'd love, to, and I can't wait to see you promote on LinkedIn. And for anyone listening, uh, yeah, please um, tell your friends hello, put it on your LinkedIn too. Uh, <laughs> uh, Stephanie, again, thank you so much for coming to the Ask a Matchmaker podcast. Um, it's been my pleasure, Maria. I just, I love what you're doing. I love how your platform is focused on inspiring and, and helping women and all people to live their best lives. Um, so just really happy to collaborate with you here. Absolutely. And thank you for listening to the Ask a Matchmaker podcast. You know what to do. Go tell a friend. Of course, go tell a friend, whoever needs today's episode. And I'm sure there's a friend out there who's might be feeling it the last two months, especially with the recent layoffs send them this. Like there are ways out of that darkness and it's just about taking that one single step. Of course, be lovable, but more importantly, be likable. See you next week.